Hi, everyone, and welcome to Behind the Numbers. My name is Dave Bookbinder. I'm a managing director at B. Riley Financial and also the author of the new ROI, Return on Individuals. And today we're going to be talking about an interesting topic, which is innovation. We're going to be talking about how to measure the performance of corporate innovation with internationally renowned expert in innovation strategy, Bruno Pesic. Bruno, welcome to Behind the Numbers. Here and I love your return on individual. That's a really important topic. Yeah, thank you. Maybe one time we'll, we'll chat about that. But right now, this is about you. And thanks for uh, joining us all the way from Norway today. Much appreciated. Why don't you tell the audience a little bit about who you are? Mm. Yeah, I'd love to. And I'll keep it brief because, after all, it's not about me today, but actually measuring innovation. Uh, so I like to say that uh, I help people innovate profitably. And what I mean by that and we'll discuss that in a moment, is that often investments in innovation don't see any returns. And where I'm coming from with my comments that I'll be sharing today is more than a decade of experience succeeding and failing with innovation, including, you know, belt tanks, weapon systems, trains, educational systems, financial systems, board games, etc. So I have experienced it from the beginning to the end. And everything I share comes from that experience and theory as well. I think that's more than enough for, for a short intro. That sounds good. Well, let's jump in. Before we get into the measuring component, why don't we talk about how we actually define innovation? What does innovation mean in your world? Yeah. So first, I love that question, and I'll come back to, to it why. And second, the operating definition of innovation that I use is innovation is something new that creates value. Now, what is new is defined by the people innovating, and by the customer receiving that innovation, not necessarily new to the world or history of mankind. We came up with, with a lot of things, and it's sometimes difficult to come up with something that is genuinely 100% never seen before. And the value is an important part, because even if you have something new that doesn't generate value, then it's just a novelty. And novelty by itself can be a fun gimmick, but you know, it stops, it's not innovation. So it needs to generate value, and this value must go in two directions for the customer and for the organization or innovator himself, herself, themselves. Because if they cannot capture back some of that value, then they cannot continue innovating. And just a short comment of why I said I love your question is, uh, that was your literally first question, like Bruno, what do you mean by this word? But I invite all the listeners and organizations to question themselves and their colleagues, do we have a shared definition of innovation? It doesn't have to be the one I shared. But the group of people working together must have a shared understanding of the work, be it innovation, be it strategy, or whatever else. Yeah, because I think instinctively, uh, we might think of innovation as a new thing, a new product or service, right? But it could actually be a, a new process of, of the way you've done something, right? Absolutely, absolutely. And once again, you're correct. People mostly think about innovation, new patents, new products, etc. But we can innovate on all different sides, from processes to business models to pricing to cost structure. So think about Skype. I mean, Skype is now old news. But back in the day, they were revolutionary because they were offering telecommunication services without traditional telecommunication infrastructure. That's why they became so successful and were ultimately acquired. So it is more than possible to innovate in many different directions that are not just product-based. Right. So you said something very interesting in your introduction. Um, and when we think of innovation, 
you talk about innovation failures and successes. Most times I think we think of innovation as the successful result of something. We don't often hear about failed innovation. So uh, when you said that most innovations don't lead to value creation or something to that effect, why is that? So uh, what I say, and again, so, so, some people in this space, they go like, oh, Bruno, you shouldn't be saying that. But it is reality. What I say is that most companies, especially larger companies, when they invest some money to allow innovation, unfortunately, it, they don't get any significant returns, if any. And there are many reasons, but unfortunately, the reason number one hasn't changed for some years, even though we know what it is. And that is more than seven, seven zero, seventy percent of innovation initiatives fail because company has made something nobody wants that there is no need for either because they decided to introduce similar products that they already have or because someone in the organization thought they knew best or even if they were going and buying a technology that they thought would make improve their processes so unfortunately they don't start from the right starting point and that's why i say most of the investments in innovation lead to value destruction and there are specific things executives can do or smaller companies can do to protect themselves but as i say it's it's a kind of a thing that i am a little bit surprised why are we not seeing improvements globally because it's it's not a revolutionary revelation it's kind of it's it's it's, it's a known fact many numbers many researchers are pointing in that direction i have to tell you i'm a little bit surprised to hear that the number one reason is that that organizations are producing something that customers don't want i mean what, where are they missing that, that, that fundamental question of what problem does this solve or what will our customers appreciate? How, how does that fall through the cracks? No. Yeah. What, in my experience, what usually happens is because the, the bigger the organization is, the bigger the supply chain becomes. So at, at one moment, part of the workforce that is closest to the customer isn't anymore the, the workforce that's actually developing new products, services, and offerings, but it's mostly delivery people, clerks, call them whatever. And then the, there's internal communication failure. Feedback from the customers doesn't get to the people that are actually creating the product. And from experience, for example, large financial institution, largest in the Nordics. So to get the service, you either go to the branch or you call and you get a customer representative. But the people creating financial products are neither of these two groups. There are bank men and, and bank people that are somewhere in the office coming up with new mortgages, with new loans, with new calculations. And they don't actually see where the customer gets stuck. So for example, uh, when they were looking into introducing a new mortgage product, they didn't know why is no one getting that product because they were not in touch with the customer. The moment they started working the phones, a bit old school, but good enough to figure out what's actually happening, they learned that the customer was afraid to click a specific button because they were not sure what it means. Then they fix it, bam, done. And Dave, I purposely shared such a simple example because it, again, unfortunately, it's representative of the break that happens that you asked about. Yeah, and I've got to tell you, I, I'm still shaking my head about that as, as the number one reason. But uh, let, let's move forward here for a moment. Let, let's talk about, you, you mentioned that companies, if they do it right, they can do it profitably. And that's certainly the end game goal for anybody who's trying to pursue something in the, real, in the world of innovation. How can companies do this the right way? Mm. So, Dave, I'll focus a little bit here on uh, larger companies because uh, they have a 
let's say, additional problems. So thing number one is recognizing that outcome of any investment in innovation is always uncertain. So no matter how well you perform, your product might still fail. You might do the best thing, the best improvement in the world, and it may still lead to failure. It's a little bit hard on the ego, but that's that's the world of innovation. That doesn't mean that we have to give up because people think that if I cannot have a guaranteed outcome, then this is something rare and, and unique. Therefore, I don't need a system. Therefore, I can take it case by case. But the thing with innovation is if you go for the big bang, if you put 200 million dollars, on one project, there's only one thing that's certain, and that is that you are going to fail and burn that money. Think about going to the gym. If you never exercise, you cannot just walk in the gym and put, I don't know, 200 pounds on the bar and start lifting. <laughs> it will right. not go. You have to work your strength up. You have to work out every week, week by week. You have to take rest, grow your muscle, grow your strength. The same is with innovation muscle. You must run a lot of smaller innovation projects that won't be, you know, the next Uber or next Airbnb or next unicorn. It will be a bunch of small stuff that maybe people won't even recognize as something revolutionary. But that's the preparation you need because when the good project comes, it's not just about the money. It's about internal capability as well. So back to the main point, executives must realize that they need systems for measuring and performing and executing on innovation investments. Otherwise, if they treat them as a unique thing, they will always stumble, unless in some freak accident, but that's an outlier. Great innovation successes are outliers. They're not a, a common occurrence. Otherwise, they wouldn't be so great and known, right? Yep. Bruno, we only have a couple of minutes to go here in this segment, but I'd like to just ask you one more quick thing. Uh, maybe it's two. Uh, what, who, who are the clients that you're serving and how can folks who are watching and listening who want to learn more about you or perhaps work with you get in contact with you? Yeah. So in the simplest way, uh, I love working with uh, companies that are serious about innovating. Doesn't matter how successful, if they're serious about trying something else, I'm more than happy to help out. And the help depends on the client. And uh, how can people find out more besides reaching out to you? You know all the best people. Uh, just look me up or go to the website www.pesec.no. You can find a lot of stuff there. Thank you for asking, Ben. No, my pleasure. And uh, folks in the production studio, if it works with you guys, I'm going to call an audible here and go to commercial now so we don't go down a rabbit hole. So, Bruno, you sit tight, and we're going to pay a few bills here, run a few commercials, and we'll be right back on Behind the Numbers after this quick break. more than a gift. Etsy. Twist the holiday season and joy filled the town, except for Scrooge, with his perma-frown. <laughs> the gift of a Peloton bike did touch his soul. Riding fast, flowing proud, getting hella swole. You can do it! I'm doing it! Was Scrooge a new man? 
Oh, without doubt. When your workout's a joy, it's a joy to work out. And welcome back to Behind the Numbers. I'm Dave Bookbinder, and today we're talking about innovation with my friend Bruno Peschitz from Norway. Bruno, welcome back to round two. So happy to still <laughs> be here. <laughs> I'm so glad you stayed with us. Um, I, I want to get into the, the real meat of the topic here, it, which is the measurement of innovation, right? So tell us, how do you, we, we've talked about how to do it and where it goes sideways, but once we have something that's successful, how do we, as organizations, measure the impact hmm. of this innovation? Hmm. So, to start, to start from from the beginning, and I'll keep it. I'll try to keep it as brief as possible. First, we must remind ourselves that innovation, again, as I said, it's not just one-off activity. That means that different people in the organization do different tasks. I say innovators innovate, managers manage, executives fund. And this may sound obvious, but what I mean by that, if innovation is about taking an idea into the business, that's what your people in the organizations will be doing. The management are supposed to measure all the innovation efforts. And the executives aren't supposed to do any of the other two, but they're actually supposed to release funding for different innovative ideas. Why did I start with that? When we have that understanding of that division, then we can start talking about measuring innovation. Of course, the success of any idea or any project in large company at the end is measured by return on investment, shareholder value, etc. That's fine. But the thing is, as I told you earlier, because innovation is so uncertain, you might not see returns for five to seven years. But that doesn't mean that you should not measure nothing. What's the best proxy in the beginning is measuring, for example, learning velocity. How, how much time do you spend to actually learn about customer needs? How much time do you spend to actually test the market demand? How much time do you spend to uh, have your first pilot? What's your risk-adjusted risk value to cost ratio? Like how much do you expect to capture back? That's all on the innovator level. Then you add one layer on top, which is about managing innovation. So you're talking about what, what ideas do you have for your product lifecycle stage or your development stage or whatever process you're following in your organization? What's the average time per that stage? What's the average cost per that stage? Because even though we don't have the guarantee of the outcome, what you have full control of is the cost. <laughs> your people, how much time you spend on the things, and you should control it. Those are your management levers. And then when we move on top, the executives, they should look at new product vitality index, uh, investment distribution. Are you investing primarily in the core ideas? Are you investing in something a bit more radical? Having too much on both sides is not good. We are talking about balance that's specific for every company. And for example, new to existing profitability is a great strategic measure because you're looking at, for example, products that you have introduced or services in the last three years, and you're looking at their profit margin. Is profit margin higher than your older products? Because the, the margin helps you then grow the company. So kind of in these layers, when you start thinking in these layers, then you can start measuring innovation effectively without blocking it. Now, I feel like I dumped a whole lot of info on you, Dave. Is any of that making sense? 
It, it does, and, and as we're talking about it, 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 it strikes me that, so we, you mentioned before about the, the innovation that fails, and sometimes that may take some time to realize, sometimes it may just kind of blow up on the launch pad, so to speak, but for those innovations that are bound for success, and as you mentioned, the, the return on the investment may not happen for several years down the road. So clearly it's important that we're managing these metrics along the way to know not to hit the stop button on something that's successful. H have you seen with your clients that you've worked with where they've aborted something that in hindsight they would have they been better off keeping it going? Of course, and, and unfortunately that is a side effect. Uh, but I'll tell you something else uh, that, that helps people overcome the fear of actually stopping something too early. The thing is, if you're documenting what the team has been doing and you're documenting the learning and your strategy isn't changing every day because you're uncertain, the thing is, if it was good, it will come back. So that, that's why it's okay. You know, it's, it's sometimes better to maybe stop prematurely something that is great than to allow three projects that aren't great to continue because the opportunity cost is massive. So imagine that you have three teams of five people and all three aren't really good ideas, but you say like, hey, let, let, let's give them another year. What you've done is you have prevented 15 people from spending a year of their, their life working on something that could have created value for the organization and the customer. So in managing the cost of innovation, opportunity cost is a very important thing to consider. And that is why I'm not so worried about stopping maybe something that seems good prematurely, but rather allowing things that don't stand the chance to go on for way too long. Because that has much bigger impact on the organization than the other situation. Yeah, let, let's talk about the, the buy-in process, right? So we've got uh, folks who are championing and spearheading their, their projects inside an organization. Some are really good at pushing them through, some aren't quite so good. How do people become successful at championing those innovation mm. projects? Oh, Dave, you have the best questions. I think we could discuss each for hours, <laughs> but we don't have hours. <laughs> so, uh, again, trying to have it very brief. When we talk about corporate innovation, forget about the superstars. Superstars will always manage to get their projects through. Introducing innovation system is about increasing the average, allowing the average Joe in your organization to present their idea, get the funding for the idea, and move that idea forward. How to champion innovation? Well, of course, everybody will say start from the top. I don't wholly agree. What I say is start with a vertical slice. That's how I describe it. Few people from the top management, few people from the middle management, and few teams from the front line. Because then you have a representative sample of your business unit, of your division, of your company, and they together actually stand the chance to execute on innovation strategy that's aligned with the whole business, to create ideas that can contribute to the business, and to actually bring these ideas to life. If that doesn't happen, <laughs> again, it's a waste of money. So you cannot start bottom up, that's just a recipe for frustration. You cannot start top down because that's different recipe for frustration. Start with the vertical slice. When they move, the rest of the organization will follow because we are social creatures. We see our neighbor doing something, we want to give it the go. Gotcha. 
I want to give you an opportunity to talk about something that you've done that I think is particularly innovative. Uh, and it's re in regard to your involvement in what I would call the global entrepreneurial community. So you developed a board game for entrepreneurs. Is that right? That, that's true. That's correct. That's correct, Dave. Tell uh, us about it, Bruno. That was, that was a product of love. So you kind of, uh, as, as I, I hope you can hear, I'm quite passionate about the topic of innovation. And what I often said was that I am and was a lucky person. So as I was learning and educating myself, I was always a member of different communities because I always find it so helpful to be with people that have done the thing and have experienced the thing because there's so much to learn from each other. And friend and I were talking about teaching this method Lean Startup and we wanted to use a board game but there was no board game on the market so we said why don't we try make our own and that's that's how it started and it was it was quite fun journey i have to say that's good stuff why don't you tell the audience how they can contact you if they want to learn more about you and how they can get that board game if they're interested okay so again the probably the easiest way is either through dave or to look me up www pesec.no uh, you will find all the contact everything uh, don't be afraid i don't buy it and i love exchanging information and talking about innovation entrepreneurship strategy i'm just a curious guy all around and good stuff and yeah there's no question that your passion comes through in the conversation so not to worry there uh, when we talk about the, that the idea that so much innovation goes wrong and doesn't generate the roi Inside of organizations, Bruno, what have you experienced in terms of kind of the mood of the leadership team? Are, are, are folks fearful of innovation because of these outcomes that you've described? Uh, they would never admit it, but I would describe the, their behavior exactly as fear of innovation. And I don't blame them wholly because if you put yourself in a position of a leader in a larger organization, and everything we talked about, you know, 70% of ideas fail, more value destruction than value creation. So if you think about, hmm, should I put my teams on innovating and you realize I might lose face, I might lose position, I might actually most likely fail. Of course that you feel a bit fearful about it. But when you start looking at the numbers at, as a positive impact of innovating on the company, you know, better financial performance, better employee retention, people feel more pride in their work, it makes sense to give it a go. But it's all combined to what we have talked about just minutes ago, kind of. If you consider innovation to be a one-off thing, you do not invest in the system, therefore you can never repeat your success if it ever comes. And you cannot prevent and protect yourself from wasting money, wasting time, and wasting resources. Bruno, we have just about four or five minutes to go here in the program. It went very quickly. And, and I want to give you an opportunity to take these last few minutes to talk to the audience and, and share some of your best advice, if you wouldn't mind, mm. uh, whether it's mm. what to do right, how to avoid things going wrong. What, what would be your best counsel for folks who are watching and listening to you today? Okay, uh, Dave, just tell me when we are a minute to go, so I'm overboard. Brief, short advice. Any leader, doesn't matter how big, how small the organization, learn how to reflect. And I'm going to tell you how to do that if, it's, if you've never done it. Grab a notebook. Pick a decision in your professional life. Write down what that decision was. Write down what you expected would happen. Write down what has actually happened and then write why do you think there was a difference simple process yes 
important discipline do it for every decision why you will learn how you make decisions you will learn when you make bad decisions and how to avoid it and you will learn about your business all of that will help you innovate better because innovation is very emotional very risky so you must be aware of how you make investment decisions and that will help you it will make you better leader better investor and better person i think that would be my number one how about number two? You've got a couple of minutes left. I know you're trying to be brief. Oh, perfect. I'll give you an opportunity perfect. for another number one. Number two. Yeah, number if you're two. going long, I'll wave uh, to you in the camera and tell you to be quiet. Sorry? If you go too long, I'll wave to you over here on the side and, and you'll know. Okay, perfect. So number two, big one in large companies. Don't invest in orphan ideas. Ideas don't get executed out of thin air. Every idea must have specific person specific uh, team that will actually bring it to life it's very often that someone in the management team comes up hey how about we do this good johnny will do it but johnny has no accountability even if you tell johnny go and do it innovation is difficult it's ta uh, taxing it takes an emotional toll so there needs to be a connection between the person with the idea and the one actually carrying it so don't make a mistake of putting 10 million dollars on just an idea. It needs to be team plus idea that will get you something and will get you the return. Team is more important than the quality of the idea. That's great stuff. Bruno, thank you so much. Uh, I, I wish we had some more time here, but unfortunately we are done. So thank you for sharing your, uh, your thoughts and your wisdom here with us today on Behind the Numbers. Thank you for having me. Oh, my pleasure. We've been talking innovation with Bruno Peschitz. And my name is Dave Bookbinder, and when my clients want to know what their most important assets are worth, they reach out to me. If you'd like to have a conversation, please hit me up. I'm on LinkedIn, Facebook, and Twitter. And thank you again for watching and listening. As I always say, we can't do it without you, the audience, the listeners. Please be sure to hit the subscribe button, rate and review, and stay tuned for what's next on the next episode of Behind the Numbers. Until then, take care, everybody. Thank you.